Hi, everyone. I'm Molly. Hey, I'm Blair. What's up? <laughs> and this is What Fresh Hell Toddler Purgatory. Welcome back. Yes. We are so excited to talk today about, speaking of welcome back, welcoming our little ones back into the world, escaping from the womb of the pandemic. Yes. What a weird world we have been in, huh? What a weird world. And the funny thing is, when I think about it, some of our kids, this has been their world for half of their life. Yep. Was she walking when the pandemic started? She started walking two days after lockdown. Get out. I swear. Isn't that crazy? Oh, that is wild. What a wild way to market, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so excited. I'll take a picture and send it because nobody saw you do it. No one did. You know, and that's one of the things about the pandemic. There are so many hard facts about it that, you know, I, I mentioned to you earlier, Blair, that the biggest word I found in my research for this podcast was devastating. Yeah. So many articles start in the middle or the end with devastating. <laughs> but the little tiny things, too, right? Mm. Like marking those little things all by yourself or in your house or just alone and that the emotional weight of that, you know, those little moments in life, you know? Yeah. And for us, it was a little bit insane having little M turn two is that we live right across the street from a park. And I was like, okay, great. At least now that she's walking, I can get her outside. And then I looked outside one day and they were putting like caution tape <laughs> and barricades all around the park. And I was like, wait, wait. Oh my gosh. Don't do that. No. Yeah. I mean, you you have a nice size apartment, but it still has walls. You got to get them out. Listen, there's only so many times you can walk back and forth in this apartment. <laughs> That's right. Before you go a little. Oh. <laughs> totally. You know, we had a little bit of a different experience just because we live in sort of a rural area in Pennsylvania. So we can particularly in the beginning of the pandemic, walk around our block and not see another soul. And at least then we could say, well, it's the pandemic when usually it's like, well, it's because everybody's inside watching TV or something. Nobody's getting outside anymore. But this, it felt okay to do that. We didn't go to playgrounds for months. Yeah. We didn't, you know, we obviously, you know, are not able to do the things we used to do. We used to go to great little bouncy house place, that kind of thing. And it's these small, you know, it's a thousand cuts, right? It's like every little thing that was taken away. And, you know, we're all bearing the weight of that in some way. Yeah, we are. And how are, like, how has Dee dealt with it as a little one, under five? These little under five-year-old, how's he done with it? Well, for the first six months, he was home with me. And I can for sure acknowledge that my level of stress for this new life that we were living, of course, affected him. But I did the best I could to have fun to do our projects, to do all that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, as we've talked about, screen time rules were thrown out the window, et cetera. He's been okay. He went back to school a couple days a week about six months ago, and that really changed a lot for both of us, to be honest. Yeah, same for us. Yeah. You know, but a lot of families don't have that luxury. They don't have that privilege. They have parents who have had to, who have lost jobs or have had to take leaves of absence from their jobs. This is affecting children as much as adults, you know, if not more, because it cascades down to them. It's interesting. I was looking at <laughs> some of the life after COVID articles. I was like, yeah, let's get some hot tips, right? Yes. And some of the, yes, you know, just check in with the docs, you know? And I went online and some of the articles were literally written in April of 2020. Oh, well, that's no help. 
I was like, delete, 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 delete. Because April of 2020, it's so funny. Who of us knew in April of 2020 that a year later we'd still be doing it? You know? Still doing it. Yeah. It has seemed endless. And for some of our kids, I'm sure it's seemed even more so. Now, trying to look up on this impact on zero to five-year-olds, it was really interesting because, you know, some of our listeners may have had the same reality trying to look up information. A lot of it is on older kids, school-age kids, that kind of thing, because those observations and research, et cetera, is much more observable. Like you can see what's going on there. It's much more quantifiable. You can yeah. actually see how kids are doing. You can watch their Test scores, you know, either get better or worse, et cetera. But for kids age zero to five, there's actually kind of a lack of research on it because my kids are clueless. I did one batch of slime with my four-year-old and it was like, this is amazing. I don't ever want to go back to school again because mommy makes slime. Meanwhile, I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Everywhere. There was slime everywhere. I'd made the worst batch of slime. I went at the worst batch of slime. And then my two-year-old, she's just like, she hasn't parted from our side. So she's like, oh, this is how life is? These two never leave? At my back and call? Done and done. Oh, yeah. She's thrilled. She has a constant playmates. Pandemic what? Pandemic unaffected. <laughs> so that's good. And I feel like that kind of touches on, you know, what we are all thinking, which is every kid's a little different, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some kids, no matter their age, this is affecting them deeply. Uh, and some kids are like, diddly do, I made a Teflon, diddly do, don't leave me in the sink because I'll rest eventually. But right now I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. There is this one thing, it has a long name, it's called the Rapid EC Project. It's about assessment of impacts of, I don't know, rapid assessment of pandemic impact on development, early childhood. I can't even say it. What? They formed it last March by leading early childhood advocates to study the impacts on of the pandemic on children five years and younger. And I got to tell you, you know, what they're doing is they're checking in with the caregivers because of that cascade, that caregivers level of stress level of anxiety, all the stuff that's going on in the home, they're able to actually look at that and see how it's affecting the kids because they're checking in with those caregivers. So, you know, we're at a point where we know everybody's under stress. Everybody has anxiety. There's emotional stress, social stress. They're not in schools. They're not seeing their loved ones, etc. So we're hopefully now we're moving into a time where we're going to be reintroducing these aspects into our kids' lives. And I'm excited. My son got to see his grandpa last weekend. Oh, I bet that was awesome. It was the best. They are soulmates <laughs> and we no longer existed in my father's presence. And I bet you were like, thank you, God. Oh, for sure. I was like, oh, he's not jumping on me anymore. He's jumping on grandpa. Yeah. 75 years old. But I got to tell you something. My dad rides 15 miles a day on his bike, so he can take it. Come on, Mr. Lloyd. But yeah, it was Amazing. And also to see that change in D, yeah. in my son, to have another person, you know, another adult, another trusted person in his life was, yeah. I'm not going to cry. You're going to cry. No, I'm not. Stop it. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. We actually, over Christmas, we went to Florida to visit my brother who lives there. And yeah, my kids just flourished being able to hang out with their big cousin, my nephew, and my sister-in-law, Jennifer Brooks, if you're listening, please know you are an angel from the heavens above. 
she just took the wheel. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I was having a rough time not having much of a break. And as soon as we got down there, she just opened her arms to both me and the kids and she helped out so much and it was everything. So yeah, I'm yes. definitely looking forward to more of that. Yeah, I really do feel I read somewhere that, you know, humans aren't supposed to be raising families by ourselves. You know, it's that community. It takes a village or whatever. And you had a sense of that, you know, hashtag Jennifer Brooks, take the wheel. Yes. Which is good. I'm going to make a (laughs) t-shirt. Please do. And then it's also like, oh, wait. Yeah, we're not supposed to. We're supposed to be surrounded by our community. Yes, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. So, you know, no matter how much you love your kid, it's a whole lot of FaceTime. Yep. And it's wearing your patience down. That's such a simple thing to say, but like there should be a point, we hope, hopefully, where when your patience gets low, you hand your kid off to an aunt or a trusted babysitter or et cetera. And we don't have those outlets. So our patience grows thin. And what do they see? They see that, you know, as a reflection of them. So then they start mirroring that behavior to us. We feel anxiety. They feel the anxiety. And it is so hard to be calm all the time. I'm not good at it. I don't strive to be good at it. I'm just like, you're either going to see me lose my, lose it, Mm -hmm. or you're going to see me try not to, or you're just going to see me be a human being. And yep, that's the best I could possibly do because I'm really bad at like not showing my true colors. I mean, I can like turn it down a little bit, but, uh, you know, I saved the real deep emo cries for the shower. But yeah, you're going to like my kids saw me lose it. My kids did see me cry a few times. And there's a benefit to that, too. And that's the thing, too, is that, yeah, there is a silver lining in all this, of course, in all this FaceTime amidst all the devastating things, truly devastating that are happening around us. It's the extra time with our kids. It's them getting to see us be human. Yeah. You know, if they were going to school all day, maybe they wouldn't see those kinds of things and see, you know, all that people do to be able to keep their family going. You know, but talking about this, though, Molly, listen, when we come back, let's play a little game. Okay. I give you some time to think about it. Okay. Like Plinko or what is the game? <laughs> no, like a, I love no. a Plinko. That doesn't, it wouldn't work. <laughs> Top two most like craziest, zaniest, lose it pandemic mom moments. I only get two? <laughs> top uh, two. Uh, top two. You got a top two. Oh, it's a battle to the top. Battle to the top, girl. All right. So let's, um, I give you a second to think. I got one. Oh, jeez. I got one. Let's do that when we get back. Love it. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right. So we're 
giving our top two pandemic mom burnout moments. Just to give you all a little creature comfort, let you all know you're not alone. You go first. I'm dying. All right. So first one would be I was on the phone trying to order food. Something had happened on the app. And I just said, so I called the restaurant directly and I couldn't formulate or articulate any of my words. And I just started crying <laughs> to the poor oh, the restaurant yeah. owner or whoever I was on the phone with. <laughs> And they were like, okay, so do you still want it with or without cheese? <laughs> Just like, I don't know. I don't know. That is so sweet. They didn't throw in anything extra either because they were just like, I can't do anything to help this woman out. But then my top, like number one would have to be. So I guilted myself into this like self care evening after the kids went to bed and I bought some of these like CBD bath bombs and this expensive like body scrub and I unintentionally put it off for days, probably weeks, right? And then I finally got to it and I was just like, okay, Blair, just do it. So <laughs> I was filling the bathtub and mid-fill, I stopped the water and I tossed in the bath bomb and I sat on the side of the bathtub and I just soaked my feet because I was too tired to commit to an entire bath. And I just sat on the side of my tub and I sobbed while my feet soaked in an entire, this big bath bomb with half the water. Oh, it was a moment. Did your feet feel good after though? Listen, girl, my feet were luxurious. Oh, yes. I mean, that sounds good. It turned out to be pretty good, but it was. But not for your whole body. <laughs> not for my whole body. <laughs> I was struggling from the feet up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was just like, oh, yeah. I'm on the struggle bus mm -hmm. to struggle town. Yeah. What about you? Give me top two. Top two. Okay. So I've tried to be thinking of it. And mine are not necessarily. Well, the first one is happens over a series of days. So one of my outlets that I have allowed myself, and we don't really go to that many places at all, to be frank. But one place that I do go is I go to the donut shop that also has coffee and I go through the drive-thru and I get, oh, geez, sometimes I go big. I get like an ice latte because I'm like, I deserve it today or whatever. <laughs> and some days I just <laughs> go and get a small coffee and occasionally I pull into one of the spots. And as I'm opening up mm -hmm. that little clicky thing on the top that you like pull up and stick in there, and, but it never sticks yeah. in. And so I just cry yeah. and I tell myself <laughs> it's because it won't stay on that little nubby, but it's because my heart <laughs> is broken. <laughs> but I'm like, Ms. Lita's so stupid, has not kept in touch with their friends enough, is a terrible parent, and can't sleep. It just needs a night away. It just needs a night away. And then I end up tearing it off, wiping my tears, taking a sip, and being like, hey, this isn't so bad. And then I can go home. It's a 10-minute trip. It's so close, right? Yeah. So that's one of my outlets for so many things. And then the second, one of my other outlets is... I live in a pretty rural area, so one of the places where I go to just like have fun and, and touch nice things is Marshall's. <laughs> but I don't touch anything because <laughs> yes. of COVID. But I just look, go through and I look at the clearance sections, et cetera. And really, if I'm going to buy something, that's when I touch it. I'm pretty careful. But one time I went there and I tried to get there super early. I think they open at 930 and I was there at 930 and I got a cart. They cleaned it off for me. I did my hands. Everyone's masked. It feels very good. And at 930 in the morning, there's almost no one else there except for other you know, people wandering around just trying to find a place to go, right? Heaven. Heaven on earth. So I started 
heaven on earth. So I start pushing the cart around and I thought I was just like looking around and all of a sudden my phone beeped and I looked at it and it was a message from my husband that said, how was your morning? (laughs) Blair, it was 12 (laughs) o'clock. It was like 1157 and I was like, I have been here for two and a half hours and I don't remember any of it. Anything. Listen, pandemic and no pandemic, Marshalls will do that to you. <laughs> that is so true. God, I love get, that place. Don't get me in that bath aisle. Don't get me in that bath aisle. Oh, God, it's so good. I don't know how they do it. Anyway, it's called the treasure hunt. They have you go back from work because you never know what you're going to find. We'll talk about it in another episode. But anyway, so think <laughs> about us sitting on the edge of the tub crying, yeah. wandering the halls of Marshalls like a zombie in the night. So imagine if this is our experience mm. and kids don't have marshals to go to, what is their marshals? What is their marshals? What outlet can we give our kids as we are hopefully kind of getting to a place where they will be reentering society like a debutante, like a sad pandemic debutante coming out and being reintroduced <laughs> into society? What can we do to help that transition? I think we could do just that. Have our moments, right? Sit on the tub. And cry, go into Marshalls and get lost in time and space, right? And then so that we can come home and have had that like, you know, exorcism of emotions. Yes. And then come home and be able to be like, let's watch some bubble guppies and make slime, you know? And be able to be there. So what you're saying is put your oxygen mask on first before helping your kid. Absolutely. Right. So take care of yourself and then you're going to be able to take care of them. Uh, That's one of the things that the CDC says is support positive coping through play and talk about emotions. I don't I talk about emotions sometimes with my four year old. I don't. Do I? I mean, do I? Yes, I do. I talk about emotions. I guess I do. Maybe not like my emotions, though. Well, that is an interesting. Actually, you just made a good point, because if you're really being sensitive to the fact that they might be going through things as they are sort of starting to have one-on-one play dates or whatever your next step is, you know, in in reintroducing them to society, is that maybe that is something that could help them. I know what you're going through. I'm going through it too. Yes, yes, yes. I have done that. And I've also apologized when my behavior has been atrocious. Yes. When I've screamed and I've just blown up like a crazy person, I will, in a quiet moment, Probably not right away, because sometimes my pride gets the best of me. But, you know, in a quiet moment, once we got PJs on and we're, you know, calmed down, I'll do a little whisper in the air like, sorry about that, kid. That's nice. Mommy is just real human sometimes. Yep. But that doesn't mean that I don't love you. That's perfect. Yeah. Whenever those quiet moments are, sit down with them on the floor and die with them. Get to their level. Mm. Listen and maybe share something with them. That's really good. Yeah. And like Margaret and Amy say, you know, don't lose the lessons in this time during the pandemic. Yes. You know, so that's why I try to find my humanity. And, you know, when it goes off the rails, I apologize for it, but also let my kid in on it, you know? Yeah. And know that I've actually, I feel like even though I feel so out of sorts most of the time and have for this duration of this pandemic. But I do feel like I'm doing better as a parent in my communication and my willingness to show them that I'm not a superhuman being. Yeah. Which is so important for them to see so that they don't have expectations of themselves to have. Yeah. To be perfect or to not feel things very deeply. Okay, great. So we're going to take a little break. 
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And now, things we are legit looking forward to. In the aftertimes from Toddler Purgatory. Going to an actual playground and shutting down the My Bed is Your Personal Trampoline Park operation that's been running in my house for the past 16 months. Going to a restaurant and having someone who is not me clean up after a family meal. Talking less. Less talking. Everybody hush. Or talking into the face of a human who is not my spouse or child. Preferably at a bar. Traveling to exotic places. And by exotic places, I mean literally anywhere that is not my bathroom. No more Paw Patrol. No more. Ixnay on the Ape Atrope. Very happy to lose the obsessively scrubbing grocery stuff from my already annoying grocery routine. So looking forward to getting dressed up and going out. Only to remember that I don't like bras or makeup or most people. And then returning to my couch with a newfound appreciation for it. OMG hugging my mom and then throwing my children at her and running quickly in the opposite direction, preferably to a bar. This has been Things We Are Legit Looking Forward To in the Aftertimes from Toddler Purgatory. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to What Fresh Hell, Toddler Purgatory. (laughs) So, Blair, how are you feeling? So, here we are. Uh, things are happening. Kids are getting back into schools. Things are opening up per se, of course, you know, with safety measures. But yeah, how are you feeling about all this stuff and getting out of that apartment? Uh, I'm hopeful. Listen, I'm not where I was when it started. And also, I just have a better sense of myself and how to handle things in a pandemic. 
right? And when you have little ones, right, it's pretty basic. You're doing a lot of the same things over and over again, right? And thank you, little sweet baby Jesus in the manger. I don't have to deal with homework and mm-hmm. having them sit in front of Zoom school for hours on end. I don't have to really deal with them like missing their friends all that much because they've had each other, which has been beautiful to watch, you know, to see these two human beings like who are growing together and they're like so really loving and kind to each other that I thought that it was going to have to be me to kind of like pursue that relationship. But it's happened because they've just had to depend on each other. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been the silver lining in all of this. And you know, I'm hopeful, man, that's what we need. I'm hopeful. It's going to get better. It has to. It has to. Sweet Mary. Oh, Astro. Well, I think you bring up a good point, too, which is that the biggest takeaway for me today is that truly every kid is different. Yeah. Whether it's an only child, whether it's someone who has siblings at home to play with, a four-year-old or two-year-old who's in a house with five siblings Mm -hmm. is going to have a different experience during the last year. They may have that, you know... They have some social support. They have some learning opportunities. And then other kids don't. And every kid is kind of different. And every structure that people are working under is different. So we all just have to do the best we can within that. I read this thing about something called scaffolding parenting. Ooh, what is that? I know. If you think about your child as the building, and then you are simply the scaffolding, but they're the building, we're simply supporting them, right? Uh. And some days, I think that I... It's this guy named Harold Koplowitz, who's the president of the nonprofit Child Mind Institute, and he's the author of The Scaffold Effect, Raising Resilient, Self-Reliant, and Secure Kids in an Age of Anxiety, which I can't wait to read. And actually, he was a guest on What Fresh Owl podcast. You can go ahead and look up his episode there as well. But he basically says that scaffold parenting is providing support, structure, and encouragement. Support them with empathy, validation, and intervention when needed. Structure routines and schedules to give a child a sense of security, which I'll go back to in a second. Mm -hmm. And he says, most importantly, encourage kids to get back into the social fray. And one thing I took away was also go slowly into that social fray, maybe a play date with one other kid on a playground, that kind of thing. Yeah. And especially if you're scaffolding. That is so true. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Take it slow for the sake of your kids and you. Yeah. And it's going to be fine. Like you said, I too feel hopeful, Mm. but we all just have to like put our dip, our teeny little baby toes in that water, set up some social activities for our kids and try to be with them as much as we can on their level. And so I want to go back to structure routines and schedules to give a child a sense of security. I don't know about you, but I don't have screen time regulations. For example, I do, I do, I try to keep it in check. But that kind of thing, a lot of routines have been blown out of the water by necessity in the last year. Yes! Survival! Survival. So one thing we could do is lean into a little bit, hey, I came up with this schedule, whatever it may be, rules, regulations, and again, baby steps, baby steps, your kids are feral now. So you have to take it slow, (laughs) take it slow. But I think that it will end up benefiting them in the end. So Treat yourself well and take baby steps because we're all going to be just fine. We just need to give ourselves time. We'll be fine. And the ultimate thing we have to remember is that this is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. Some of the things I looked at were the effects on kids from World War II or September 11th, other horrible, tragic things that have happened really in our, some of which in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And, um, and this is unprecedented. So we need to give ourselves some grace and give ourselves some time and take the lessons we've learned from this and bring them with us as we move forward into this new world. For all of the things that have happened in this pandemic, for sure. Yeah. 
It's a whole new world. <laughs> I don't know the rest of that song. <laughs> it's a good one, though. Blair, I feel better. How do you feel? I feel a lot better. Listen, yeah. Molly, I always feel better when I talk to you, though. Oh, come on now. Come on now. That was nice. You know what? I feel the same way. <sighs> and the fact that we get to do this every episode is like, ugh. Talk about silver linings from a deep, dark, tragic, devastating period. I get to talk to you. You know what, Molly? I always feel good when I get a chance to talk to you. And quick story note to our audience is that Molly and I, who are both actors, check us out on IMDb, <laughs> we had the great honor and pleasure to be cast in our very first pandemic commercial together. Yes. In the middle of July in Cleveland, Ohio. And we found out that we both were in it via our email from the costume designer. Yes. And we were so excited. We lost our minds. We lost our absolute minds. We got to be two days away from our children's and we got to do what we love. Besides momming, we got to act <laughs> yes. and be funny. And then we also ordered Shake Shack and... Had a few adult beverages yes. while sitting eight feet apart, I would like to say, at a conference room. <laughs> yes, we did. And we had just like the best talk and the best time. And it was just like so good for my soul. I got back home and I felt like I had been rejuvenated. My cup had been refilled and it was yes, amazing. I agree. Just so that our listeners know the depths of our love. Yes, our deep love for each other. And I think that, you know, the kind of the takeaway from that is that one of these, gosh, our lifelines is connection during this pandemic. Yeah. And that was a great example of our cups being filled by connection. And I, listen, listeners, we hope that you are finding some of that comfort as well from being connected with us because we certainly are by being connected with you. So thank you for listening. For sure. You got this, mamas. You got this. You got this. And papas. And Papa's. And Donna's. Pa <laughs> yes. And caretakers. Thank you for being here. We think you guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be well, y'all. Be well. We'll see you next time. Bye. Real truth alert. Pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.